and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. My name's Paul Joy and on behalf of the team here, welcome to this conversation that I have with Abby Underwood, now Abby Rudenberg, from the class of 1996. This podcast is intended as a way to help keep in touch, help our Yarra old grammarian community, our yogs, to hear stories and adventures and learnings from one another, as well as the wider community, because there is so much wisdom, so much to learn from the experiences as young people uh, who are going through a school system, as they reflect on those adventures and those challenges and those uh, twists and turns along the way. Abby, as you'll hear very soon, she speaks beautifully. Uh, Her role now involves being a barrister in which she has to put words together on behalf of other people uh, in a courtroom and which is a high pressure situation. Well, she handled this much lower pressure situation beautifully well. As you know, we've got a range of and a growing uh, library of podcasts here, episodes here in the Inspired by Yarra vault. And we'd love you to, uh, at the end of listening to this one, uh, if you like it, if you subscribe to it, if you even share it with others, leave us a comment, a rating and a review. That would be awesome. But I don't want to uh, get in the way any longer. I want you to tune in to this beautiful conversation with Abby Underwood, now Abby Rudenberg from the class of 1996. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And today we have the opportunity to sit down with Abby Rudenberg from the class of 1996. Now, before we welcome Abby, I will let you know that when she was here at school, here at Yarra, she would have been known as Abby Underwood. Abby, welcome to Inspired by Yarra. Thanks. It's good to be here. Now, Abby, where, tell me where you are as you sit and speak to us now. What country are you in? What city are you in? And what does the office look like? Uh, I'm in Melbourne in Australia and I am in my, um, what I, what we call chambers because I'm a barrister, which is just a fancy word for office. Um, if I look out my window, I can um, see the dome of the Supreme Court building and straight into a Supreme Court judge's chambers. So uh, that's where I am right now. Goodness gracious me. So you're right in the thick of the heart of Melbourne. I am. I'm down the dodgy end where the courts are and all the nightclubs <laughs> and all the crime. <laughs> now, I wonder whether by design there's an interesting um, comparison there between the nightclubs and the, the court system, the legal system and the, the hierarchy of, of, of our Melbourne legal system, whether there's something pun in cheek about that. Well, I feel like it's just convenience for the clients <laughs> that I sometimes have. It's all close by. <laughs> so you are, you're working as a barrister? I am. Now, can you give us a bit of a a snapshot of what does that mean day to day? Uh, So I work for myself. Barristers can be in all different areas of law, obviously. Um, I specialise in criminal law. Uh, A criminal or barrister is a little bit different to other barristers in that most of the time um, I'm in the courtroom, uh, standing up before a judge, um, making legal submissions or arguing a case in a trial, um, calling witnesses and taking evidence. Uh, and so for, every day is very different uh, for me. I don't have uh, a set routine. I don't have set hours. Uh, so um, sometimes during the week I'll be at home with the kids and other times I'll be at work. Sometimes I'll be in a trial for 10 weeks uh, where I go to the same court every day. Uh, and uh, sometimes I'm in country courts, so Ballarat, Bendigo. I spent three months in Geelong recently. 
uh, yeah, so every single day is very different um, and different cases a lot of the time each day. Wow. And, and is, it, is it that diversity that is attractive to you? Uh, yes, in part, the diversity of the work, um, the diversity of the people that I meet. I um, prosecute on behalf of the state quite a lot, but I also defend clients. So I work at both ends of the bar table um, and I really enjoy the different types of people I meet um, in my different roles. Uh, and I just, I guess I love standing up on my feet in court and being able to uh, be the one interacting with the judge and the other barristers. So, Which, as one who also likes to get up on my feet and speak, that is a very scary environment, though, the one that you're part of and you're familiar with. And, and thankfully, I think I've not had much experience in court. Most um, people say that. <laughs> and I'm happy about that. I've yeah. got to be honest. I'm very Probably happy about be. that. Yeah. And yet that's something that you, that is part of your work that you enjoy. It is. Because I suppose you've become familiar with it and you're comfortable with it. You may even know some of the other people who you're engaging with and interacting with in terms of the judge and so forth. Exactly, yep. Is your role to speak on behalf of your client in that in that regard or are they sitting next to you? Uh, it depends on what court um, I'm in and it depends on what role I'm playing. So if I'm a prosecutor, I normally act on, the state of, on behalf of the state of Victoria and then while the victim's of whatever crime it is, are my star witnesses. They're not actually my clients. The client is the the state of Victoria. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's an unusual role in that way, but obviously I can't run the case without the victims giving evidence. Um, So I work closely with them and the other witnesses. If I'm defending, uh, yep, my client can either sit just behind me if I'm in the magistrate's court or in the higher courts, they sit right down the back of the court in the dock uh, yes. where all accused people sit. So, um, yeah, so it depends on what court I'm in. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and again, I, I guess that variety and that diversity keeps you in tune with all of the different components of the whole process. That's right. And really, the I guess the criminal law world is quite small. Um, so most barristers, we get to know a lot of other barristers. I know most barristers. Because uh, I've been doing this for so long, I now a lot of people I've worked with in the past are now judges. Uh, so it's a less intimidating environment when you understand who you're appearing before and who you're opposed to. That's right, absolutely, and, and so it becomes uh, almost comfortable because you're. you're I'm not going to say you're amongst friends, but at least you're amongst people who 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 also understand what you're all there for. Exactly. I mean that most. Stressful days are the ones where you don't know the judge or you don't know your opponent and you don't, so you can't anticipate what's going to happen I see, uh, as yes. well. Although there's a, also a certain amount of, I guess, adrenaline in that <laughs> that I secretly enjoy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so on a day like today, um, we're recording this sort of mm-hmm. uh, late in the morning. Do you know today whether or not uh, on any given day you'll appear in court? Like, or is today an office day? And you know that, or or might you be whipped out of there and and have to appear somewhere else before you know it? Well, it's it's really up to me. So I made today an office day um, because I had to conference um, some victims in some cases I've got coming up. Uh, so I'm set aside an hour or two hours to do that. Uh, but there is the chance that um, my clerk who. Um, takes all my bookings for court and does some of the admin work for me that they might ring and say there's somebody, you know, in the jail cells who needs advice or 
um, can you go and do a bail application? Or, and then it's up to me whether I want to do that or not or whether I want to have an office day to do preparation for other cases. So your location is a choice? Yes. Because you're close to the people who you need to serve? Exactly. I mean, most barristers, not all barristers have chambers, but most do. And uh, you pretty much need them in Melbourne if you're going to practice mostly in Melbourne because you you can get those last-minute calls where you need to go to court or um, if you have a break for two hours because the court stood down, you need somewhere to be able to go and do your work and also meet your clients. So um, it's all very everybody is firm the legal firms that I work with and the um the courts are all very in close in close proximity to where I've chosen to have my chambers which is in a building with a bunch of other barristers who mostly do crime as well so okay yeah gives you that feeling of um being part of an organization even though you're all self-employed yeah yeah and 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 I maybe that's the the best of both isn't it that you feel connected and engaged and and you could pop out and recognize people but at the same time you've got some autonomy about what you do and where you go and when you do it exactly and I think the mo- I mean I share my chambers so my chambers mate is listening to my end of this conversation right now but uh, uh and, sh- and she was a tin turn girl so we often have bit of rivalry happening over that Uh, but you know there's people on our floor who all do crime there's people upstairs and downstairs that do crime it's just great to have people around who you can bounce ideas off uh, and and that helps you make the decisions that you need to make. Yes we'll get back to the tin turn rivalry in just a moment (laughs) (laughs) but I wonder and 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 excuse my ignorance but those people that you bounce ideas around with who Mm -hmm. are also barristers who are yep. working potentially in the chambers next to yours. Yes. Do you do you stand in court opposed to them? Are they, like are they representing yeah, the, other, the other team? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, for sure. And how does that go? Uh, we have to. That's when we have to be careful about what we talk about because there's obviously um, obligations of confidentiality and even if you don't identify people by name, you could give enough away about the facts of the case that if they were involved, they would know. Uh, and then that would put us both in the situation where we had a conflict of interest and we wouldn't be able to act anymore. So um, we do often start with, I'm going to ask you about this case. Have you got anything to do with it? Mm. And then we go from there because otherwise it can be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then then there's the, um, I guess, the, the ethical situation that you both, from a professional perspective, you, you've perhaps said something you shouldn't have and then that po- puts you both in an awkward situation. So yeah. there's clearly some, whether they're written or unwritten rules. Oh, no, they're and, written, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're written rules, yeah. <laughs> We're lawyers, everything's in writing. <laughs> <laughs> and there's an understanding amongst your peers that this is how we're going to conduct things. I'm going to check first and if there's a hint of, yeah, I know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. I won't keep talking. Exactly. And if we do know that we're working on the same case, then we're careful about what we speak about in chambers so we don't, you know, create any unnecessary conflicts. Yes. Yeah. Um, I will declare that between you and I we don't have any um, <laughs> any, any situation or circumstance that we, we can't <laughs> talk freely about. It just does so happen that we're part of a podcast and, and we're here today uh, on Inspired by Yarra, speaking with Abby Rudenberg, who back in the day was Abby Underwood. Abby, thanks for being with us. 
Let me take you back to uh, your journey at school here at Yarra Valley Grammar. I think you might have started in 1993. 1994.
um, I just think you should make the decision based on your own kids and what they're what's going to be best for them. And my three girls are all um, quite different, but um, all of them have good mates that are boys, uh, and I'd like to see them carry that through as they get um, older. And I just think it's easier if they're all at school together. <laughs> it sounds like you've made some wise choices there. I think. Um I, I have, in my professional career, enjoyed uh, some time at, at, at an all-girls school working as a, as a staff member and as a chaplain in that environment um, and now very much enjoying my time here at, at Yarra. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's, there are some similarities but there's a lot of differences and mm. uh, to me it feels pretty good out here at, at Yarra. I wonder yeah. um, whether if I asked you to talk about the spirit you know, yeah. I guess it's culture, but what, what do you recall of the Yarra spirit? I think uh, the things that stand out to me in relation to life, if that, that brings to mind, are um, our madness um, and encouragement for one another at sporting days, uh, okay. yes. which was a, a big thing back then. Um, I was in Annals, I think it was called, which is Blue House, if that's mm-hmm. still the same. Uh, and we were very competitive back in 1995, 96. Uh, and we everybody but everybody really bonded together um, encouraged one another and um, I come from a school where a lot of people were uh, put down a lot so uh, one of my earliest other memories of Yarra which ties into this is that on my first day in uh, a maths class the teacher asked a question and several students put up their hand to answer and I really fell off my chair because at my school you my old school you wouldn't put your hand up because that would be you know, suicide for lunchtime. Yeah. And if you did well, you would hide that fact. Whereas uh, that uh, achievement was really celebrated at Yarra. But also if you weren't particularly academic, then that was okay. And people celebrated your other gifts. So yes. um, that I think that embodies the spirit of Yarra for me at that time, that um, encouragement of whatever you were good at. That's fantastic. That's a, a beautiful reflection. I wonder whether, did you find yourself getting to the point where you too were putting your hand up because you, A, knew some of the answers but also felt comfortable enough that it was going to be welcomed in this environment? Yeah, it just took me a little while to uh, get used to it but I think deep inside I was always that type of student that wanted to do that Um, and I did want to do well but it just um, wasn't acceptable at my old school and so I would kind of hide that away. Uh, But, yeah, I, um, I guess in determining what school my kids go to as well now, the most important thing for me is that learning environment. I want them to be free to put their hand up to discuss issues with their class and with the teacher and I, I want that to be done in a, in a space that's encouraging and not um, where they feel like they shouldn't do that. So Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. So tell, tell me a little bit more about your academic experience. Um, you strike me and, and perhaps I can make some assumptions about where your career has taken you, um, but it sounds like you might have known the answer a fair bit of the time. Uh, yeah, look, I was naturally pretty good academically. I think looking back, though, I'm surprised at the subjects that I chose to do. Okay. So tell so, me, year, year 12, what do, you, what do you remember of year 12 subjects? Uh, so in year 11, I did year 12 Indonesian and year 12, some infotech subjects, information processing and management or something, uh, with Mr. Smale, who I still remember. And I remember that subject well because I got 50 out of 50 for that. And it was just doing like Excel and access spreadsheets back in the day, which was pretty fun. Uh, and then Indonesian, uh, which I'd started at my other school and so followed that through and wanted to get that out of the way. And then Year 12 was maths and science 
uh, year for me, which is a bit strange given I've ended up in a very humanitarian or humanities type, um, not humanitarian, but humanities type field. So I did um, think that I wanted to be a lawyer most of the time. Uh, And then when it got to before year 12, I thought, oh, maybe I'll do medicine. I find science quite interesting as well. Uh, And so I was encouraged to do chemistry, biology and the two maths and English. Uh, I have to say, looking back, I wish I'd done history and (laughs) um, some more of those subjects that I think I would have enjoyed a lot more because I actually didn't truly enjoy. I hated maths. And um, so so let's let's take it another level. If you were and and it's true, some of our listeners to this podcast are uh, current students. You know, we might have some year 10s who are in the process of choosing some subjects and that sort Mm. of thing. What would be your advice having uh, chosen a particular set of subjects for whatever reason and yeah. and now not so much needing to apply some of those that skill and knowledge that from them what you gained there what advice would you have for a student today I would say pick subjects that you enjoy uh, because you'll naturally do well in them and you'll uh, also um, it should hopefully lead you to on a path to somewhere that you want to be uh, that being said the subjects that I did have been very useful and I did a science law degree at Monash uh, and that science component is really helpful in criminal law because we have a lot of expert evidence of DNA or um, a lot of chemistry sort of stuff. So it has been really helpful and it probably helped me get a higher um, TER back then but enter whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. And I would have had to do a lot better in the humanities subjects than I did in the other subjects to get that mark. However, I think I probably would have done better in them because I would have enjoyed doing it more. Yes, yes. And it probably would have played into my skills more. So I would just say pick subjects that you enjoy and that you think that you, you can do well in. Um, and I guess my experience of university is that most people started a degree and then swapped to something else when they realised what was out there. So don't necessarily be too focused on the ultimate goal because that might change. I think that's a, a powerful and really, really important uh, message that choices that you make in, in school, whether they be about subject choices or, or even how well you do in those subjects, does not determine where it's all going to end up. Not at all in my experience. No, people, so, yeah. so that's where I want to go. So tell yeah. me, you 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 got a, a part scholarship at least to be at Yarra. You, yeah. you ended up here and that's what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Did you... And, and you can interpret this if you like. Did you earn your scholarship? Did you walk out of here with the results that you were hoping for? Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah. got you into a course that you wanted to get into? Yeah. So, well, I um, had medicine as my top preference in Victoria at Monash and you had to have an interview as well. And I thought if I got the marks and I got the interview, I'd be in because I've mm. got reasonable social skills. Not so. I didn't get in. <laughs> so you got the um, marks but not the interview? I did do the interview, but I didn't get in after that. And I think they mm. put the scores together. Um, mm. But I did get into medicine in other states. So then I had to make the choice about how much did I really want to do it? Did I want to move states or did I want to stay in Victoria? And my second preference was science law at Monash. Uh, and I think I'd done some work experience by that time, by the time I got my results and um, ultimately thought that would be a better path for me. Uh, because of my love of humanities type mm. subjects rather than science. So, yes. um, so I did so, start so- my science degree at Monash uh, doing yep. chemistry and biology and within a year swapped all over to environmental sciences, which I really loved. So 
Um, right. Took and a completely different tact. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Like that that's taken you in a different direction again. And so how, how, how does that then lead to where you are today? Uh, well, for a long time I thought that I would only be um, working in environmental science. I didn't think that I would be working in law at all. I found my law degree intensely dry uh, and boring and so I started working as an environmental consultant in uh, a business in Kew, researching um, all sorts of environmental stuff for schools and, um, that, and for the UN, which was great work. Uh, and then it wasn't until I did my uh, final subject at Monash where we actually worked in a legal service and saw real clients that I realised how much um, I actually loved working in the law when it was practically applied rather than just in a theoretical sense. Mm, um, yes. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I'll, I'm not doing a lot of it at the moment, but ultimately I'd love to use that environmental science uh, background and combine it with the uh, criminal law that I'm doing. And there is a chance to do that. I just haven't got there yet. So, so, so if I th- consider success or offer the term success, w- what does that mean to you? It sounds like there's a journey in there. Um and many people, I imagine, and, and I'll put my hand up and say this too, I would look at what you're doing now and consider that to be success. You know, it sounds like you've got a family, healthy, yeah. um, you, you're married and yeah. you're working in an environment that you love and you yeah. enjoy it and it's stimulating and challenging and yet it also sounds like you're still kind of heading somewhere or you've yeah. got at least room to go. What, what does success look like to you? Have you made it? Um, I think success is happiness and contentment and I would say that, yeah, I think I'm kind of there in, if, you, if that's your measure. Um, I have a good family life. I have a great job that gives me flexibility with my family as well uh, and um, I certainly feel I've only been at the bar, the Victorian bar, for two years so you, I was a solicitor for um, 13 or whatever before this. Uh, and then I've been at the bar for two years. So I feel like I've still got a lot I can do and can achieve um, at the bar. So in a professional sense, there's still places that I can go and a lot I can um, improve on, a lot I haven't done yet. Uh, but I don't know if I would say that achieving those things would increase my um, view of whether I've been successful in life or not. Sure, sure. Yeah. At school, mm-hmm. in terms of places to go, uh, where would we find you? When you were back here at school, were you hanging out in the biology labs? Were you up no the way. back of the library? Were <laughs> no. you out on the sports field more often on, than not? Yeah, always on the oval pretty much. Okay. Uh, so uh, a lot of my mates uh, played cricket in the summer. So uh, we'd go and do a pitch inspection in the mornings and the afternoon. Uh, and at lunchtime it was kick to kick with the footy Um and I wasn't one to sit on the side and watch. So um, I think most of the time I did that, I played a lot of volleyball when I was at Yarra. I uh, went to Canberra with the team and um, all that sort of stuff. So a lot of time in the gym yeah. um, training for volleyball and I did hockey too. So I think the old oval I used to play on is now um, no longer. It's under the new stadium and the uh, new fields right down the bottom, but it was a bit of a mud pit back then. So it, it I'd is often interesting. Be down there too. <laughs> as I get to chat with uh, with different people from different eras of uh, of their time here at Yarra, uh, how much it has changed, and many people recall the mud 
of the yeah. ovals and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and being out there and, and, and some interesting uh, stories about staff members who have been traipsing up and down in the mud trying to umpire or referee yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, are there any staff members that had a, a particular impact on you, um, dare I say, inspired you while you were here at Yarra? Um, well, I, I saw Mr Hocking again last year and um, it was really lovely to see him again because he was, um, do you know, I can't exactly remember what his role was uh, when I was back there. He certainly taught us uh, Year 10 RE or whatever it was, social studies or whatever it was called back then. Uh, he was just a really down-to-earth, um, friendly uh, teacher who gave good advice along the way and was uh, very respectful. So uh, I think he's someone that kind of my whole year level respected and we all remember fondly. Uh, Mrs Carroll uh, was our volleyball coach and um, I know she was at Yarra for a long, long time uh, and she put a lot of hours into, I guess, keeping us all busy and training us up um, and so she stands out uh, in my mind as well. Yeah. It's interesting um, because a number of names keep coming up and uh, and and certainly the two that you've mentioned, uh, both both Andrew Hocking and, and Mary Carroll. And Mary Carroll is one of our biggest fans of this podcast. Oh, there you go. Hi, and Mary. I'm starting to <laughs> starting to discover why because she loves hearing all these reflections and, yeah. uh, and 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 positive, beautiful comments about yeah. her and the impact that she's had. And 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 I, look, I think that's part of the reality of a school environment is that yeah. certain people stand out and and they do have an impact on you and. And all these years later, you still recall some of those significant yeah. moments or those words of advice or guidance or counsel along the way. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's really, really important. Um, I wonder as you were, because you were, dare I say, a rare species when you were first here. <laughs> yeah. What are your connections still today with, you know, it sounds like you interacted with the, the guys and the girls really well. Um, do you still have much to do with, with the Yarra community today? I am still in contact with quite a number of my mates from back in the day, um, probably more over social media than in person. Uh, all of us pretty much have kids these days and um, mine are probably a bit older than a lot of the others. So I'm getting my freedom back uh, mm. in ways that they're not, they don't have currently. But now my life is like my Saturdays are filled with basketball games and gymnastics classes. So it's just um, hard for us to catch up in person. Uh, but we do every now and then. Uh, I've been back to Yarra a couple of times for the um, speed careering and a few other events um, and, yeah, was quite taken aback by how the school physically has changed. Uh, and we all caught up, obviously, at our 20-year reunion, um, mm. which was only a couple of years ago. So that was um, it was great, actually. It was amazing to see how little some people have changed and, um, and how we all just kind of fitted into, um, not into the groups that we used to be in, but to easily um, interact and catch up with where we're all at. So, yes. yeah, that's great. And and look, I think when you when you're going through an experience like that, like your final years of high school, there's no doubt that you are impacted on by others, but you also have an impact on on them and your environment and the surrounds and and the culture of the place. And I wonder whether you might reflect for a moment whether it's a physical impact or perhaps something less tangible, what sort of impact did you, do you feel, a legacy, if you like, that you had on Yarra? Is, is your name 
deliberately on one of the honour boards or have you scratched your name somewhere that I could go and find? <laughs> or were you a leader of sorts? Were you Tell, tell me a little bit about Well, if legacy. I scratched my name somewhere, I definitely wouldn't tell you that over a podcast <laughs> given the nature of my work. <laughs> uh, but, no, I didn't do that. Uh, I don't... I mean, at the time, at, when I was at Yarra in my final year, I was a prefect and quite involved with a lot of the uh, school activities, but I don't know if my name would be up on any boards anywhere or anything like that. If you pull out an old video, probably VHS cassette of the school musicals back in the day, you'll find me mostly dancing on the stage, less singing, which was probably a good thing for the audience. Uh, and... Um, and uh, I doubt any of my sporting records have been maintained. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm not sure you'll find much of me uh, in the halls of Yarra anymore. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, if I was to uh, ask you, as a prefect, I'm sure, with no pressure, <laughs> but uh, you would know what our school motto is, Lavavi Oculus. Yeah. Give us your understanding of, of perhaps literally what it means and then what it means to you. Uh, well, I, it's surprising that when I read uh, that uh, you might ask me something along that line, the school song immediately came right back into my mind. Uh, but for me, beyond meaning I lift up my eyes, it, I guess that phrase is um, important in that or that part of the school song and the school psalm is important that I think it means that you lift up your eyes to what's ahead um, and also what is beyond maybe your concrete understanding of the world, um, to focus on uh, not what's gone behind or what mistakes you've made or anything like that, but um, to appreciate what's around you and to move forward with, I guess, a positive um, frame of mind because I do think your state of mind can make a great deal of difference to how um, how your life pans out. Um, I think it's quite powerful. And so, yeah, to look, look ahead but also to consider what might be beyond your concrete understanding of the world. Yeah, that's a beautiful um, exploration of, of perhaps I think some of the sentiments that are, are very much deeply embedded in that in that term and that phrase. Mind you, I, I don't think I understood that when I was at school. <laughs> interesting, yeah, and, and I think that that's part of the journey too, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wonder whether you can think about something that was important to you when you were a young person, when you were a student here at Yarra, but now you've kind of, whether you've grown up, you've matured, you've developed, whatever, but it's not important to you now? Uh, I think uh, what people think of me uh, doesn't matter to me anymore. And it, I mean, I definitely had those moments at Yarra where I was worried about what my friends were thinking about me, about what I thought. Um, at the time, um, my family had just started going back uh, to church again and I was quite uncomfortable with that. I didn't know uh, what I was thinking, but people were often uh, a little bit angry about um, people who believed in God or had a faith or anything like that and um, I definitely was not feeling like I was strong enough to say anything about what I thought about that at that time, even though I was a bit undecided. But um, So I think um, as I've gotten older and just become, with, become comfortable with who I am, I don't really care what anybody thinks uh, anymore. Obviously, I don't want to um, hurt people or um, irritate them, <laughs> but uh, I'm not worried about whether they like something about me or not in the same way that I was at school. Uh, and I guess that's just part of growing up. 
and learning who you are. But it's something that definitely stands out to me where I remember those points in the playground where I was standing there and someone said something and I wanted to speak up, but I didn't because I was too worried about what they might think Mm. about me. Whereas now I probably need to bite my tongue more than hold back about what I think. (laughs) Because you could probably put a fair argument together and deliver it with a bit of punch nowadays. I hope so, (laughs) given (laughs) I get paid to do that. (laughs) That's right. Uh, And and equally I would say... uh, that it is part of the journey of young people yeah, um, and, yeah. and that is that there's a, a concern and a, and a worry and a need to be accepted and to be mm. um, included in a group somewhere. Yeah. And and you as a mum though now mm-hmm. see your children growing up in an environment and in a world that is so different to, yeah. to your memories and your experience. Yeah. What are the hopes that you have for your children? Uh, that they use social media very little. <laughs> um, we're very strict on on uh, screen time and things like that because we really want our kids to grow up being able to be connected to real people um, and to not feel the judgment that I think that you can feel in an online environment um, just 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, and that's already a battle that we have with our 10-year-old uh, pretty often. Uh, although she, I'd say she does understand our reasoning behind it. But I, um, yeah, I just hope that they can, um, I guess, develop really meaningful relationships with their friends um, and the people they come into contact with and find something to do in their life that they love and that they're passionate about because both my husband and I love our jobs. We both enjoy going to work. I mean, of course we have those days where we don't want to get up and go to work, but most of the time we love going to work and I think that... Um, just makes your life so much better if you have a something that you spend a lot of your time doing uh, that you can really love. So I hope that they can find that as well by pursuing all their different interests. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's terrific that uh, that there is that that hope for the future and and that it involves people. And uh, I think the Yarra community is one of those environments uh, that does care for its own but it also seeks to reach out and uh, and and make an impact on the on the greater world the bigger world um do you remember much of we nowadays we call it community links um earlier today i was out with a group of year eights and we were doing some some really garden maintenance for one of the local community organizations in our area and did you do that sort of thing back in the day I have a vague recollection of that phrase (laughs) Uh, but I don't remember doing anything like that uh, back then. We definitely did fundraising for different causes and things like that Uh, but I I don't actually remember going out into the community or anything Mm. like that. From my perspective, really one of the goals that I have is to uh, literally get dirt under the fingernails and 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 be hands on in our um, support and engagement with our wider community. Um, you know because we have we have lots to be grateful for and thankful for um, within our gates and and so as much as possible I try and get people out to go and impact in the in the wider world. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit before about success, and I wonder if you have had a couple of things that didn't go quite according to plan and whether you call them a failure or not, but something that you are maybe hoping for, whether it's an experience of school or or after school and how did you deal with that? Like is that something that, you know, changed the course of your life and and had you stooped down for for months on end or is it something you bounce back from pretty quick? I'm trying to think of something. I have to say there's lots of things that I think were times of sadness, um, 
in my life where um, I guess leaving end of year 12 was a difficult time with me. There was, um, I guess, some issues within our friendship group uh, and it meant that I became separated for a bit um, from the people I'd hung out with at Yarra. Uh, And I started at Monash Uni and not many Yarra kids went to Monash uh, in my year. So I did find that start of um, university quite lonely uh, just initially uh, until I made a new group of friends and then reconnected with my Yarra mates as well, um, or some, a lot of them anyway. And uh, in some ways now I look back on it and I think it was a really good time because it encouraged me to go out and make new friends and, um, and I guess look in places that I might not have otherwise looked uh, for happiness and for friendship. It was a time for me that I really got um, connected uh, with our church and back into um, thinking about God and his role in the world and that has had a huge influence on my life since that time and maybe if I hadn't had that um, disconnection from my Yarra mates for a couple of months then I wouldn't have had that experience um, but I, I think I am a, t- a pre- pretty positive person who generally bounces back pretty quickly so I um, yeah, look, one of our best mates passed away just before our wedding and that was a terrible time. But they, they, I guess my um, logic on life, and we did live in um, Uganda for about four months in 2007, I think, and uh, my lasting memory was that those people expect death and hardship to be part of their life, whereas I feel like we don't expect that. Uh, and having that expectation that life is not going to be perfect makes it easier to understand when life is not perfect and doesn't go to plan. And so that was definitely something I learnt from that trip um, to Uganda and something that I've tried to keep in mind. Um, Mm. And I think that helps. Uh, It doesn't mean that they didn't experience pain and suffering. It just meant that they understood better that they had to deal with it. Um, Yes. Yeah. Dare I say... um, that trip to Uganda, was that, is that mm-hmm. uh, part of what you would call a mission trip? Not really. Um, we just decided to go, tra- we got, we were married and we tried to, uh, we decided to go traveling for seven months before we had a family or did anything more adult and serious. Uh, and as part of that, uh, my husband was a doctor and we did, de- yeah, we decided we wanted to live somewhere and experience another culture and community uh, for a, a reasonable period of time so we could understand what it was really like and, uh, it was a hospital that he could work at and that I could work at as well. So, uh, yeah, it really um, was an amazing experience um, mm. because we got to know the locals, the chief of the village, and see what the medical system is like in Uganda, uh, as well as um, a lot of the, I mean, uh, you know, just daily things, taking people to get an X-ray requires payment of a bribe and, you know, things like that. So um, really opened our eyes up to... Uh, what other parts of the world have to live like, yeah. There's some different different uh, systems in play over in a place like that, aren't there? And I was going to say legal systems, but but I'm sure a lot of those are unwritten laws. That, yeah, totally. I mean, there's not bad legal systems in place. It's actually the um, implementation of those systems or the, they're just not followed through with um, because yeah. they don't have the resources or perhaps the will in some ways as well. But um, Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Abby, for your time. And I know that uh, while you have some element of control over your time, also there are plenty of things to do in that time. So I really value and appreciate the time that you've given us today. I've just got um, a handful of questions and they're kind of quick fire questions and they'll potentially have a a one word answer if you like. Um, We're speaking with Abby Underwood, now Abby Rudenberg from the class of 
1996. Yep. Very quickly, what house were you in? Annals. Uh, a favourite musical that you remember either being in or being part or seeing from an audience? Uh, Fiddler on the Roof was my favourite, or Oliver, oh. I think, one of those two. And, and what role did you have in either of those? Uh, in Oliver, I was one of Fagin's girls, and in Fiddler on the Roof, I don't remember. I think I was part of the core. It was a very small musical. There wasn't that many of us in it, but I can't remember <laughs> what okay. I was. <laughs> From your memory of school days, what, what would you likely have carried in your lunchbox? Uh, pretty much the same thing every day. Vegemite sandwich, two chocolate chip biscuits that my mum would have made and an apple. And I would supplement that with a chopped jam donut from the canteen. <laughs> oh, that was a regular? Yeah, I loved it. I can't believe I <laughs> ate them nearly every day now. We're <laughs> um, thinking house sport. Were you yeah. preferring house aths or house swimming? Uh, swimming for me. Okay. Who was yeah. the school captains in your day? Uh, Nikki Carroll and uh, Gavin were, Gavin, I can't remember Gavin's surname. Uh, they were the school captains in my year. And I can't remember who were the years before, to be honest. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. What was your first job, whether you had a job while you were at school or when you left school? What mm -hmm. was your first job? Uh, when I was 15, I started working selling shoes at Witness Shoes. Ah, and, and do you still care about the shoes you wear today? No, I don't think I ever did, but <laughs> um, I got a job there, so it was a, a good place to start. Absolutely. And what's one place in the world that you really look forward to visiting and experiencing one day? Oh, gosh, I've been to so many now. Well, not so many, but a lot for me. <laughs> for me. My favourite place that I've been to was Mongolia and I went in summer and I really want to go back in winter to see what it's like to do the Trans-Mongolian Railway again in winter. Yeah, beautiful. That's yeah. fantastic. And is that is that the sort of trip you could take your family on? Uh, if you want to be stuck in a train cabin with them for about five days. Yeah, maybe so, not. Yeah, maybe when they're a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I wonder, do you have... Uh, a book, a story, it might be a documentary, a series mm -hmm. that you think is is compelling viewing or, or experiencing that you would recommend that uh, maybe young people would be exposed to today? Uh, I've probably got lots, but uh, one that springs to mind is a documentary that a friend of mine or friends of mine made called Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea, which I think you can only get online. You might be able to get on iTunes, but it's about they follow the stories of a group of um, asylum seekers from um, detention centres in Indonesia and then a number of them get on boats for Australia and some make it and some don't and won't spoil the ending but um, I've had friends that I've asked to watch it who were quite opposed to asylum seekers coming to our shores and then have changed their mind because it mm. really humanises their story and so mm. um, I think most people should watch that. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I like that. And it, it sort of, it partly affirms what you said about before about your own children, wanting them to grow up in a world that is about people and real people and social interactions. Yeah. And, and sometimes we have to find other ways of, of bringing those stories to life and, yeah. and documentaries can do that. And podcasts yeah, exactly. can too. They can. <laughs> Abby, I'm delighted that you've been able to spend some time with us today and, uh, and share some of your reflections, both your time at school and where 
life has taken you and the twists and turns along the way. So we're really grateful uh, for the time that you've been able to spend with us. My final question is what question have I not asked you that you really wanted me to ask you? Well, on the list that I was given of possible questions, um, one of them was the best advice I've received. That um, sounds like a fantastic way to finish. What's the I best advice it, you've received? <laughs> and you can then launch that into the, uh, the stratosphere and, uh, and give it to us too. Uh, I think since I became a mum, someone told me that you can have it all, just not all at once. And so nice. you can have a good career and you can be a great mum, but you can't necessarily do all of that at the same time. And I think that's something I've had to learn firsthand um, and find the right balance so that I spend good time with my kids. They're, you know, they grow up quick um, and, but also keep my foot in the door of my career and keep it chugging along. But I'm not going to be a county court judge tomorrow because I've spent time with my children and I want to keep doing that until they're all growing <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> You can have it all, but not all at once. Yeah. That's great. And it's a beautiful way to finish. Abby, thanks for your time. Thanks for being part of this community and continuing to give back to this community, a community where we endeavour to be an inspiration to one another and an inspiration to the world around us. So thank you for your time and thanks for being with us. Thanks, Paul. It's been my pleasure. Terrific. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. Isn't she delightful? Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Abby Underwood. Now, Abby Rudenberg from the class of 1996. Some interesting twists and turns in her life along the way. One of very few in the first cohort who had uh, girls as part of their uh, experience. And yeah, interesting that the boys, perhaps early on, were fairly standoffish, but soon got uh, comfortable with having uh, having girls on board, and uh, and and she often referred to her mates, and and I think that's a beautiful reflection on uh, a cohort, a group, a class who gather together, whether male or female, whatever their background, whatever their experience, they can be known as a group of mates, and I love that term and that phrase which she used a number of times. There's plenty of other great conversations that are part of our library, our growing library of inspired by Yarra episodes here on this podcast and we encourage you to go back if you head into the ywg.vic.edu.au website you'll find there under the our community section down near the bottom is our podcast and there's if you click in there you'll find uh, some show notes some sort of a summary page of our conversations and and a list of all of the different uh, people over the eras who we've been speaking with on this podcast love you to get in there pick out a couple of others share them with other people too just to continue to grow this community this this yog community and others you know it's not just for our yogs it's for anybody who has any association with uh, Yarra Valley Grammar but also anybody who just likes hearing a good story and we hope that that's what we've shared with you again today My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you go out there with intention to make a positive impact in the world around you.